Hello and welcome to People and Profit. I'm Charles Belgrin. In the show this week, combining the powers of live streaming and e-commerce and bringing them to Europe, we'll meet Whatnot, the U.S. company trying to make it big with shop attainment. We'll head to the birthplace of e-commerce live streaming, China, where influencers have become the face of retail and marketing. And we'll look at the environmental toll of these consumerist habits and the movements that are trying to change our way of life. Well, as we approach the end of year and the, shopping, the holiday shopping season, retailers in most parts of the world are ramping up promotions and offers to entice buyers, especially online. The global e-commerce market in 2023 is expected to reach $6.3 trillion. By next year, 21% of total retail sales will be made digitally. And increasingly, these sales are taking place on social media platforms, reaching over $900 billion this year. Well, one U.S. company is uh, trying to capitalize on this trend. Whatnot was founded in 2019 in California and is a platform that aims to connect buyers and sellers via video live streaming. The quote-unquote shop attainment app is worth $3.7 billion. And Armand Wilson, the VP of Categories and Expansion at Whatnot, joins us now. Uh, thank you very much for speaking to France 24. I'd like to start with, with one question. How... Do you drive people to use your platform as opposed to, uh, for example, more widely used platforms like Instagram or Facebook that have their own stores and marketplaces? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, it's a good question. So I think we've seen tremendous growth. And I think a lot of what has driven that has been a combination of really just people kind of shifting from what they traditionally buying and selling and uh, going to a store and brick and mortar and moving that to online. So we've obviously seen e-commerce take off. I think what's missing in that in that process, that buying experience is really just connectivity and community. And I think what you see on whatnot is if you enter a stream, um, you'll see it's not, it's very, very, not very, that's not very uncommon to just enter a live stream and someone to announce you by name and show you a new uh, you know, show you a product that they've been saving for you. And I think that like intimacy and that personalization of the shopping experience is really what keeps bringing buyers back and back for more and more is that we really built a platform that's based off of commerce, based off of community. Um, and I think that's why so many users really flock to the app and stay. Are you talking about the platform being based on community? A lot of the buyers uh, on whatnot uh, sell collectible items, uh, sports memorabilia, uh, maybe comic books. What's, uh, what's the advantage of having this kind of, of niche uh, market? And is the plan in the long term to have, to have virtually any kind of goods that can be sold on the platform? Yeah, totally. So whatnot was started, you know, in 2019, it was started by two collectors that were really passionate about collecting. So a lot of the early categories were based on collectibles. And that was because buying collectibles or buying a lot of things online um, can be a tough experience, right? You can get a lot of fraud, um, you can buy something, it never shows up, um, fake products come in, whatever it may be, it just felt a little stale and soulless. So the reason that Whatnot was really birthed was to take a category like collectibles that you have so many passionate people around purchasing it and just make it a bit more trustworthy, build community around it, and at the end of the day, just make it more fun. Uh, and I think what we've seen over time that's gotten us really excited is that's really expanded beyond collectibles into many more mainstream categories. So one of our fastest growing categories is women's fashion, and that's everything from 
seller selling handbags to someone selling uh, a Lululemon top. So like everyday type type wear clothing. Um, and I think what we're finding is that uh, the power of social commerce, particularly live video, just really allows people to discover new products and, and the purchasing experience is just more enjoyable and more fun. So it's really been able to extend beyond collectibles where we really started in and move into more mainstream categories like fashion and beauty and arts and crafts are all some of our mm -hmm. fastest growing categories today. And Whatnot is launching in Europe uh, this uh, November. Uh, do you think uh, this kind of shop attainment can, can take hold here? Yeah, so we actually launched in, in Europe last November. So we've been we've been in the market for about a year now. Um, so we launched in the UK a little over a year ago. Uh, it's been a huge success. It's it, it's been our, our fastest growing market to date. And um, really a lot of that success, I think, um, is for the same reasons that we've seen so much success in the US. I think similarly in Europe, um, I think people want that connectivity that that feels hard to come by these days. And they want the best parts of shopping. Um, you know, in brick and mortar. So like when you enter the store and you get that custom custom recommendation, you're having a great conversation with the salesperson, you leave the store with a great purchase. That's like an amazing shopping experience. But I think another amazing shopping experience is just like being on your couch and just from the, the your fingertips, being able to buy something really, really quickly. And I think what you see on whatnot is it takes a lot of like the best parts of shopping in brick and mortar, which is the personality, the intimacy of having like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and getting a product you really want, but you're able to do that from like the ease of your couch. So it just makes it much more accessible. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait in lines. Black Friday is here, so there'll be a lot of lines. You can kind of get all that shopping done um, mm -hmm. from the comfort of your home. And one last thing, uh, purchasing power uh, has, has been hurt uh, in Europe and in other places by inflation. How would you compare the deals that consumers can get on a platform like Whatnot with what they can get at uh, big name retail brands, for instance? Yeah, I, th I think a big a big why uh, reason why people love Whatnot is you are able to find deals. Um, there's a ton of deals if you pull up, regardless of whatever you're into, whether it's comic books uh, or Nike trainers. You're able to go and hop into whatnot, and because um, what we've seen on like the seller side is there's just so much volume of transactions happening. So you're able to sell products much quicker. So what would take you, you know, a uh, hundred days uh, on a traditional marketplace, you're able to sell in like a couple hour live stream. So because of that, sellers are able to sell products um, for lower prices, and buyers are really able to get deals all while knowing that through our trust and safety policies, um, that it's always a safe and, 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 and clean transaction and you'll never have a chance to really um, be frauded throughout that process. So um, one of the biggest value props I think we have right now is um, is deals. And we know that's something that people are looking for, particularly in Europe, but really in, in all the markets that we're currently in today. Well, Armand Wilson is the VP of Categories and Expansion at Whatnot. Thank you for speaking with us. Thanks so much for having me. Well, the birthplace of this fusion of social media and e-commerce is China. When it comes to retail, big brands and local stores alike have turned to live streaming to reach out to customers. The trend has boomed since the pandemic, changing the face of marketing and creating new jobs. Yena Li and Catherine Si went to meet with budding influencers. With 44,000 followers, Xiaofeng is one of the biggest food influencers in Tianjin, China's seventh biggest city. Today he's selling discount coupons for a dessert brand. Live streaming apps have replaced home shopping TV channels. A simple studio is enough for sellers to interact with potential buyers. 
For example, they asked me, is this enough for one person or two? What do I say at the store? Can I order other items? What's included in this deal? You're basically a real-time customer service and shopping guide. To keep up with his growing business, Xiaofeng has hired a new streamer. They take it in turns to keep the live video going for up to 12 hours a day. Hello, friends. Welcome to the live stream. Last year, some 450 billion euros worth of goods were sold on live platforms in China, eight times more than in 2019, the year before the pandemic. And the boom is attracting new entrepreneurs. Hello, hello, Taozi quit her job at a major internet company last year to sell vintage jewelry on social media. I spend a lot of time putting these products up for sale. And when I go live, they go from my shelves to sales in just a few minutes, which means I have more time to select products, expand my channel and bring items to everyone. This summer, one Chinese poll found that two-thirds of surveyed youth were interested in becoming online hosts or influencers. All this consumption comes at a cost, especially for the planet. For instance, in 2022, the week of Black Friday led to 1.2 million tons of CO2 being released in Europe because of the increase of trucks transporting goods around the continent. That's 94% higher than the average week. People have been mobilized against this around the world. And in France, the Green Friday Collective was created in 2017 to raise awareness about the dangers of consumerism and present alternatives. Well, joining us on set is Tancred Girard, who is communications manager at Refer, a network of uh, centers and charity shops that aims to encourage uh, the recycling and reuse of consumer goods, which is also a, a member of uh, Green Friday as a collective. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, let's start about uh, talking about big consumer festivals like, like Black Friday. Mm -hmm. um, you actually questioned the fact that cons consumers actually get a better deal or get a good deal uh, on, on such an occasion. Yeah, it's a very important thing to keep in mind. Uh, a lot of uh, companies uh, use some techniques that are now illegal in theory in the European Union, which consists of uh, raising the prices uh, beforehand and then dropping them on the day of the Black Friday to pretend it's a big sale. Uh, this happens still uh, a lot. And uh, I think there was uh, one year uh, a report that said that the average um, economy did by, uh, done by uh, consumers is only of 2%. Only 2% uh, yeah, uh, it can be did by the, mm -hmm. the consumers in that. So it's really uh, telling uh, how, uh, how the consumers are really not, uh, the, are not blessed by the I see. Black Friday. Yeah. And sales keep growing. It's, it's all a marketing uh, effort. Uh, but so is mobilization against consumerism, against overspending. Uh, the Green Friday movement started in 2017. It's now 2023. How would you say this, this movement has evolved? Well, the movement has uh, very well evolved. Uh, there are more and more uh, people, more and more associations and companies which are interested in uh, what we do. And uh, the interesting thing is it started in France for what uh, concerns us, and uh, more specifically around Paris. But uh, it has grown in borders too. Uh, we have been joined by uh, Ressource, which is a, a Belgian movement of charity shops and recycling centers. And it's also gaining a, a lot of traction around Europe, where, thanks to the NGO Reuse that has joined us too. And uh, we also see some uh, members in Quebec now. So we see that it's not only growing in size and in numbers of, uh, 
of people and companies and associations running it, but also in the, in the, the scope and the, in the territory and the borders uh, concerned by this uh, campaign. And what about the types of people who uh, ask for your help or advice uh, in, these, in these centers around, around Paris? Well, it's very diverse. Uh, we see people who have all kinds of uh, reasons to be interested in what we do. Uh, for some, it's uh, purely economical reasons. For others, it's uh, ecological reasons. They, all people can gather on the idea that uh, waste is, uh, is something terrible and there are very positive and uh, very enthusiastic solutions that can help on both fronts. And there's a important to keep in mind that it's uh, not a fatality and you don't have to choose between the planet and your wallet, actually. And what would you say is the biggest obstacle to um, more recycling centers being create, created and to seeing more people uh, choosing used products over, over brand new ones, for instance? What's the biggest obstacle? Well, it's really hard to say. Uh, like all things regarding the uh, ecological uh, matters and the planet and biodiversity matters that we try to tackle, we really need uh, some strong political uh, will in this. Uh, we have been really uh, helped by some local actors like the Paris City and the Ile-de-France region as a whole. But there needs to be more legislative change on that front too. And uh, really, uh, I think, um, and change on mentality on what it means to how do you tackle uh, these issues and how, uh, well, the act of sale is not uh, an automatic one and you, how you can promote uh, social associations that act on that uh, every day and they really can uh, help uh, convey the movement and, and the change. Uh, what about on a, if you don't mind me asking, on a personal level, on an individual <laughs> level, as a person who I assume wants to lead a zero waste lifestyle, yeah. wants to really have an ethical uh, way of existing in life, um, what's the hardest, uh, the hardest part of trying to change your consumption habits? Uh, it's, it's a good question. It's hard to, to really point one thing. Um, I think it's really, uh, you don't have to feel guilty about everything you do. And it's an important thing to, to keep that in mind, the, the path towards a good, uh, ethical, healthier, sustainable lifestyle, lifestyle sorry, can be a very positive one. And so you can uh, be proud of the things you do every day and not feel bad every time you slip, because uh, of course it can happen. Uh, for instance, it's uh, Christmas is coming right around. It's better if you can find uh, what you, what you want to buy to your uh, relatives in uh, second hand or if you can repair stuff and uh, if you can find it in more affordable and sustainable uh, uh, brands. But if you can't, well, you don't always have to feel bad about it. So I think it's really uh, feel that it's going to be a long journey. And if you want to succeed it and you have to stay enthusiastic about it and not feel bad every day. Tancred Girard, you are the communications manager at Refer, a network of recycling centers and charity shops in the Paris area. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all for this week. You can watch our previous shows on France24.com or listen by searching People in Profit on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Thanks for watching and stay tuned.